You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And here in the Charlotte community, you know, we, um, I feel like our community, community is tight, but cancer is a, is a, a nasty thing. And there's a lot of people in our environment and our community that get affected by that. Charlotte hosts some pretty well-known events to raise money for the cancer support and research like the 24 hours of booty, the Isabella Santos 5k pink to drink and a lot of other events. But for you water creatures out there, now you have a fundraiser too. It's called Swim Across America, and it comes to Lake Norman YMCA for the second year on September 15th. Now, this is no small event. Swim Across America is in its 31st year and now has 18 open water swims and 100 pool events nationwide with dozens of Olympic swimmers taking part and even some that are on the board. The best part is Swim Across America is based right here in Charlotte, and we are so happy to have their CEO, Rob Butcher, here on our Brand Butters podcast to explain the great fundraising event made just for you folks who feel more at home in the waves than on land. Welcome, Rob. Good morning. Good morning, Scott and Brian. I brought you guys swim caps, so I expect to see you on September 15th when you put your feet in the water and swim with us as we fight this horrible disease, cancer. Give Absolutely. it to me. I got, I got my goggles at home, man. I'm ready. Let's roll. Man, I suck at swimming, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try. I'll do anything to try to make an impact. <laughs> Rob, uh, well, great introduction, Brian. Rob, thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, so Swim Across America has a cool history reaching back more than three decades, and it actually started with a run, not a swim. Uh, tell us about founders Jeff Keith and his two childhood friends and how this all got started. Yeah, so Jeff, uh, in 1984, decided he wanted to do a run across the United States, and he teamed up with his childhood friends. And Jeff had lost his leg to sarcoma when he was a young boy. And the whole idea was to raise money and raise awareness for cancer research. Your listeners out there, especially those who were born in the 60s and 70s, may remember someone named Terry Fox. Terry Fox tried to run across the, uh, Canada in 1981 um, as a cancer survivor, but unfortunately, three-quarters of the way through, his cancer relapsed, and he ended up passing away. Today, Terry Fox is a hero in Canada and was one of Jeff's heroes as well. And so Jeff looked at it and said, let's pick up the baton where Terry wasn't able to and see if we can actually do this. So it took them eight months. They started in Boston, finished in L.A. They raised over a million dollars for cancer research. And this is in the world of pre-internet, pre-social media, pre-cell phones. I mean, they're using the old Atlas paper maps. In order to do it, and along the way, they're tin cupping it and raised over a million dollars, which they donated to cancer research. So when they got to L.A., Jeff went off to graduate school. Matt, who was on the run with him, came back to Boston, started his career and said, I'm so inspired by this. We have to do something to keep this going. And at that time, there was a lot of growth going in charity events and biking and running and walking, but nothing in the swimming space. And so in 1987, they started their very first uh, swim. They swam across Long Island Sound. Now, what's really interesting about that story is that uh, it took them eight months, and they ran across the U.S., and they raised a million dollars. That first swim was about nine miles. Um, they sunk a $60,000 boat, not intentionally, but there was too many people on <laughs> oh, it. Wow. Imagine that. And then they only raised $5,000. And you would think, we should go back to doing the run. But undeterred, they decided to move forward. And on that first swim in 1987, there were Olympians like Rowdy Gaines and Craig Beardsley um, who were coming off the 84 games and said, we just want to do something as a charitable outreach. And so the swimming community as a whole in the time of the 80s was um, looking at the cancer space and saying, the only options available if you had cancer were surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. 
And Swim Across America's cause was we're going to go fund whiteboard ideas from oncologists to try and bring forward some new novel ideas for how we fight cancer. That's awesome, man. And so you're the CEO. And before we we dive deep into Swim Across America, I know that you have a story um, of cancer in in your life. And we'd love to to hear that story and really kind of the motivation behind what what makes you really push for this organization. Um, Just like I think we were talking with Scott, I lost my mom to cancer um, in 2007 at Thanksgiving time. And, you know, guys, prior to that, cancer was not something that was in our family. It was not something that, um, you know, there's a long lineage of, if you will. And so when I hear my mom has cancer, and it's the same kind of cancer as we were talking about that Stuart Scott, the ESPN commentator, passed away from uh, and became one of the V Foundation recipients. Um, There's no cure for that type of cancer. Uh, There's treatments, but the reality is you're going to die from appendix cancer, which is what Stuart had and which is what my mom had. And so off of that, um, I was inspired to try and make an impact. I had worked, ironically enough, at NASCAR prior to that. Um, There was some options for me to go back into NASCAR, go into pro sports. And I just was looking for a pivotal time in my life where I could do something that had impact and would have meaning for me. And so I joined another nonprofit out of Sarasota, Florida. Uh, It was a membership association. Uh, We were serving adult swimmers, adult triathletes, uh, close to 100,000 members. Um, And at that time, I was familiar with Swim Across America, and I joined the board of directors in 2014. And so um, off of that is I got to know the board and became socialized with them. I was helping raise money and helping open some resources for them. Our CEO in 2015 decided to step down, and the board asked me if I would succeed her. Um, I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina with my wife and my family, um, and we agreed that I would do that. And then we moved the organization, which is really a small, small staff. You'd think that we're raising over $8 million a year. You think, gosh, these guys might have 10, 20 people on staff. There's only five of us. Um, and so we moved the offices from Boston to Charlotte, where I live in the Ballantyne area. And so we have, a, we have an office down there in the Ballantyne that we operate out of. That's fantastic. We man. call it the broom closet. Hey, the broom it's only, closet. It's about, your studio may be about the same size as our, clo- as our, as our uh, headquarters. And if you think about it, out of that office space, uh, we serve over 15,000 participants a year, um, over 200,000 donors a year. Um, they support those participants. We run close to 20 charity, big, pro, high-profile charity swims and raise over $8 million a year. That's so, incredible. So I guess from, like, closet. from a cost standpoint with the charity, it, your, your ratio is really low. Yeah, yeah. Our overhead, if you will, what they technically call is less than 6% on the organization. That's fantastic. And we're very, very fortunate that we have some huge corporate 500 companies that stand behind us like Merck and 7-Eleven. Uh, which donate over a couple million dollars a year, which help us offset our expenses and our fundraising. You know, you think about putting on an event, whether it's 24 hours of booty or whether it's a charity swim like this, insurance is not cheap. Right. You know, you're over $100,000 in insurance. That's a true hard cost. It's unavoidable. Your legal costs are not cheap. Um, the IRS, they don't allow you to get around the accounting and the charitable fundraising costs. So while you might be a 501c3, there are very real costs. Your lifeguards, um, you know, like the 24 hours of booty, the police, the safety, the permits, all of that that takes place ahead of time are all true hard costs, which are unavoidable. Then you've got other costs that come on top of it, like if you want to put on food and you want to give out pageantry to acknowledge your donors. That's all hard costs that go into it. We're very fortunate that we have sponsors that help us offset a large part of that. So this brings up a good point. So since 1987, the, um, the first swim across the Sound in Nantucket, yeah. Uh, Swim Across America has raised over $75 million. And you talked about something really important in a partnership. And, and I think 
it's really cool to say you have this very small office, but you can raise $8 million. And then you talk about all this overhead. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges for people that want to take that step into nonprofit is how can I make a difference? How can I not just make sound, right? So tell me a little bit about not only where the money goes, but what would be some advice for people that would like to start an organization like yours? And how can you kind of get above that that hump to where, where you're really making a difference? Yeah, I think what you're talking about is all noise and no bark. Right, there you go. Yeah. Right? So um, our bark that makes us really successful, I think there's some key ingredients um, on all of our swims that are raising more than hundred thousand dollars we partner with a local community hospital in charlotte it's lci living cancer institute we do not redistribute money we do not redistribute money nothing that's raised in charlotte will go to boston and nothing that's raised in boston that supports mass general dana farber will go to atlanta where it supports children's health care of atlanta and so forth so that promise, that ethos, if you will, that we have, money raised local stays local, is uh, paramount, I think, to part of the success of our organization. Um, also successful for us, you mentioned the Olympians on the front end. Uh, we have over 150 Olympians that have donated their time. We've never paid one for an appearance fee, never. They've all donated their time. Uh, they come, they support, they swim with us. They know this is a charity swim. So whether you're swimming with Michael Phelps, who's been at our events, or whether you're swimming with Rowdy Gaines, or you're swimming with Missy Franklin, all household names that people will know and the Olympians, they're there to support the cause. And they will uh, want the acknowledgement to be on the seven-year-old or the 70 year old that raised the most amount of money, not who comes out of the water first. Here in Charlotte, Rick, it's a funny story, you guys will love this. Ricky Barron's household name, uh, grew up here in Charlotte, went to South Mech, uh, swam at University of Texas, has gold medals. Um, from 2012 and 2008. He came back here and swam with his wife, Elizabeth, last year in our inaugural swim. Um, his wife, Elizabeth, was seven months pregnant. So Ricky's swimming with his dad, John, and Elizabeth, the three of them. They're only swimming the half-mile swim. And at about 300 yards, Elizabeth turns to him and goes, you guys are going too slow. Seven months pregnant and decides she's going to leave them. And so here's, here's Ricky swimming with his dad, who if you go to Childers YMCA, you'll see is swimming back and forth, just, you know, stroking away. And, uh, you know, Elizabeth, seven months pregnant, came out of the water before her husband, an Olympic gold medalist. So that's the spirit of what takes place. And the Olympians donate their time, and they, they're what they call angel swimmers, just like our college swimmers come. They're angel swimmers. College swimmers, this is back to your, about what we college, college athletes right now, um, there's tremendous pressure under them to get involved in volunteerism and community service. It's something we hear about the millennial generation. It's very true in the college space as well because a lot of college athletic programs are um, they're at risk of being cut for funding whether it's swimming whether it's wrestling whether it's volleyball if you're not football you're not basketball and you're not making money you're at risk to be cut and so college coaches if someone wanted to get in do something in volleyball or wanted to do something in you know something in one of those sports I would encourage them to look at the college space and get those colleges involved because those college coaches are looking for ways to get their student athletes involved in the community because that volunteerism, that community service fits into the culture and it makes it much, much harder for an athletic director or administration to go, all they're doing is swimming, they're not doing anything good for the university or for the community. We have and very intentionally reached out and have strong relationships with the College Swim Coach Association, the American College Swim Coach Association, um, all the governing bodies. And if you looked at our uh, sort of roster, you'd see probably 100 plus colleges that donate their time and participate in our swims as well. So I, I got an interesting question here. I grew up in Atlanta. I was a swimmer until I was not tall enough to be good at swimming anymore. So I just went and played soccer. But in 1996, when we had the Olympics, I did everything we could or my family did everything we could to get tickets to swimming. It's like the hottest ticket in the Olympics. Now, fast forward, when the Olympics come around, 
is that like your golden year? Is that the year where you go, okay, this is the year that we can make the most? And and does that make an impact if it is an Olympic year? And just tell me about that. I'm kind of curious to see if, if the Olympics on TV and people talking about swimming and having Michael Phelps on commercials all the time is a big positive for you guys. It certainly will raise the profile on swimming. And even prior to the Olympics, uh, whether they're here, they're coming in 2028 20, back to L.A., um, swimming in every 10-year demographic, according to Sporting Goods Manufacturers Association, is either number one, number two, or number three most popular activity for Americans to do. Swimming behind exercising on, a, uh, excuse me, behind walking is the second most popular activity with, with exercising on a machine as being the third most popular activity. So it's a very desirable activity. Uniquely for us, our swims are not mass swims. It's not like you're gonna go do the Chicago Marathon where you got 40,000 runners. The safety wouldn't allow it. For us to be safe on Lake Norman, you're looking at probably around 400 swimmers is the max. In fact, if you look even deeper at some of our guidelines um, on the safety, we certify all of our uh, lifeguards in open water as well as in a pool. So it's evergreen important to us. We have an ambulance on site at every one of those events. Um, so you would think like, boy, swimming, you need to have more people. It's not so much that we're looking to get more people into our swims. What we're looking to do is that those that want to come swim with us, very much like Booty and some of the others, they acknowledge and know this is a charitable endeavor and that they're being asked to raise somewhere on a minimum of about $400. So registration fee might cost them $50, which we ask them to do, and it's a tax donation. And it sort of demonstrates, hey, I'm in, I'm willing to do this, and I'm not just asking everybody to support me 100%. But then they will go out and they'll use our social platforms, they'll use text, they'll use email, and so forth. Before you know it, they're raising well north of $400. And is this for all levels of swimmers? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm a rookie, I'm not a great swimmer. I could still come and participate in your event. You can float yeah, you can, the emergency swim. You can wear fins. You can wear backstroke. Um, in Dallas, the he, he actually gets his paws in the water. It's the St. Bernard, who's the mascot of the Baylor Cancer Institute. Love By the it. way, that, that dog raises $17,000. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, we are wow. very inclusive and we're very uh, welcoming. In other words, we build the tent big and we want you to come. So whether you're, um, you know, whether you're on the younger side or whether you're on the generational side, we want you to come and be part of an experience. For us, see, cancer is the enemy. Cancer is the enemy. And there are uh, three words that everybody wants to hear, and those three words are, I love you. Yeah. There are three words that nobody wants to hear ever, and that is, you have cancer. But... But if you hear those words, you have cancer, the next three words you want to hear is there is hope. Right. And that's the springboard for Swim Across America is there is hope. The part of this job that I was not prepared for and I didn't really have visibility when I came in as a board member were the number of phone calls that I get in a month, a week, or sometimes a day. And it could be someone who has done one of our charity swims and my mom's just been stricken with cancer, or my aunt, or my uncle, or my neighbor, or my niece, or I'm a cancer survivor, but now there's a reoccurrence. What should I do? How, how can you as an organization help? And the space that we play a really good role in, but it takes a lot of time for us, and my staff, my staff of five will tell you, Everything drops for me when one of those phone calls or those emails come in because it's real, and that's where the impact is at. That's why you're there, right? Yeah. And so our space that we fund is research and clinical trials. So I just had someone uh, Facebook me, um, a friend from a few years ago that is now battling a reoccurrence of breast cancer. 
and wanting to know if there's anything we're doing in the breast cancer space. And we do have some beneficiaries that we're funding, some hospitals where there's things going on in breast cancer. And so we're able to connect people with those institutions for consult and for other forms of advice and second opinions uh, so that they have a full breadth of all the options that are available to them and that they and their families can make the very best decisions they can for their families. You know, it's interesting in cancer, you mentioned that it affects everyone. And, and recently the uh, Major League Baseball did their all-star game and they had a really, really powerful moment where everybody stood up and everybody held a sign and everybody had a different name on there, mom, dad, um, children. It was, it was really amazing for about five minutes. Uh, you know, Fox went around and showed the sign and it's really cool. And it's just one of those things that it's not just one touch away. It's everyone. I've lost all my grandparents to cancer. Luckily, my parents are still here, but the, it's it's tough. Um, to, to every kinda... <clears throat> every fifteen minutes in the time we're doing this podcast, fifty Americans will be diagnosed with cancer. Today, four thousand seven hundred Americans. Tomorrow, four thousand seven hundred. The next day, four thousand seven hundred. The stats are undeniable. They're real. In a given year, it's close to one point eight million Americans that are diagnosed with cancer. But the good news is that there's more options and treatments available. Like when your mom passed away and my mom passed away, there's things like immunotherapy today. There are things like personalized medicine. There's things like genetic sequencing. And Swim Across America has played a vital, critical role in the funding of some of those immunotherapies. Um, you may have seen on TV recently Keytruda, which is a Merck treatment that's now for colon cancer. Multiple. We were the ones that funded that, $2.7 million at Johns Hopkins. We funded the, the clinical trials to Keytruda. The, the true backstory on it is that we were funding an oncologist there, not necessarily in immunotherapy at Johns Hopkins, but he was starting to have some breakthroughs in his life. As we were giving him the flexibility to be able to work on some of his ideas, he said, wait a minute, there's something going on here in colon cancer that if I think I get my hands on a vaccine, I can run some clinical trials and see if this is, you know, got some proof out of it. And so he went to all the pharmaceuticals. He said, I have letter in hand from a nonprofit that will fund the clinical trials. Will you give me the vaccines? All of them said no. He loves to come to our events and wave all the no letters from, you start inserting all the pharmaceuticals. And then Merck stands up and says, we'll give you, those, we'll give you that vaccine if you can truly fund the clinical trial. And so we put $2.7 million into it over an eight-year period of time. And then in 2015, the FDA approved Keytruda. And to this day, they'll tell you that the reason that that came forward was Swim Across America's funding. Opdivo at, Bri yeah. cool. at Bristol-Myers, Yervoy, those are also um, immunotherapies which people that are being treated for melanoma or being treated for other forms of cancer are taking those drugs. Swim Across America mm -hmm. played the funding in that. And so um, this is all back to that core cause of can we find alternative ways to fight cancer beyond surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation? Yes, we can. That, that's an awesome story. It's, and I'm going to give an update quick. Uh, Julie Rose, this girl that, that um, I went to high school with, was uh, diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2016. In July of 2017, she was in remission. She had a uh, one sing a daughter. And um, just recently, actually two days ago, she just gave birth to her second daughter and is still in remission. And it's like the most um, – it gives me chills just thinking about it. But that's the stories that we want to hear about more and more until – we don't even hear the cancer word, so that that is that's awesome. Man. I love our, what you do. Our Atlanta swim, by the way, is uh, we call it the one on steroids, if you will. Okay, uh, it's kind of our Super Bowl. It's got about eighteen Olympians that come to it. It's at Lake Lanier, so um, maybe offline we can get Julian invited. I would love to. to yeah, I'll, I'll give you information for sure.
So tell us, um, you know, we want to learn more about giving back. This is all about, you know, your brand, giving back in the community world. Tell us about how can people get involved? How can they find you? Um, and, and if you're out there and you love to swim or if, even if you don't like to swim and you just want to be cancer, this is the group for you. Yeah, swimacrossamerica.org. That's our portal. Uh, everything you could need and want is on there. Uh, my phone number, my email's on there. My staff's phone number and email is on there. Uh, you can look at the menu and you can find any of our 18 swims. You can, uh, if you happen to be living outside the Charlotte area and you want to start a swim at your YMCA or your Jewish Community Center and you just want to dedicate a practice, you and a group of friends want to do it, we participate in those kinds of activities as well. Um, as we tell people, there's options. You can swim, you can volunteer, you can donate. And we rely on volunteers. Typically, it could be anywhere from 50 to 70 or so volunteers that help us uh, make our charity swims happen. But swimacrossamerica.org is where you can find everything and see the full schedule. I love it. Really, really cool story, Rob. Thank you so much for uh for Well, I hope I see everybody us. that's listening in Charlotte. They'll come out September 15th for us. Uh, if you are a swimmer, you're used to getting up at 4.35 in the morning and going to early practice. The fun thing about this event in Charlotte is that it's an afternoon sunset swim. So you can sleep in, you can go uh, do whatever you want to do on the morning. Uh, we'll have TVs out there if you want to watch your favorite football game for you. We'll have a band out there. We'll have barbecue afterwards. So we make it a fun celebration for you. But uh, for, our Charlotte, for our Charlotte listeners, it's an afternoon swim. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, thank you so thank much you. for joining us on the Brand Butters Podcast, Rob. We appreciate the platform. Appreciate you. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.